and welcome to Frank to Big Topic in Women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Sean Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. Now, since I did that podcast on Tuesday, a couple of people, whoa, what are you doing there? Nothing. Um, if, all right. Bit of noise there. Anyways, a couple of things that uh, came up since Tuesday uh, uh, that I wanted to mention before we get into our regular stuff here. Uh, Wednesday night, um, Ryu Mizunami won the AEW uh, Women's Championship title contender tournament with a win over Nyla Rose. So she's going to challenge Hikaru Shida for the title this Sunday. Ryu, the problem with Ryu, Ryu Mizunami, is she's, of course, not that well known to fans outside Japan. And so uh, I just wanted to mention who she is. She's 32 years old. Mako Satomura trained her. She started out in 2004 when Gaia was still around. And then when Gaia closed in 2005, she went over to Sendai Girls, which uh, Mako started until right after Gaia closed. So that's primarily her training. So she's been a wrestler since 2004. It's a veteran wrestler. She lacks charisma. So, so for this particular match, there seems to be a lack of any kind of, um, uh, you know, buzz or anything like that. And that's partially because fans aren't familiar with her. I don't know why she won it. Uh, I don't think it was the best choice, but what do I know? Anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention is, so that match is this Sunday. Uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Mako Satomura on NXT UK, Mako Satomura uh, challenged for the Kaylee Ray for the uh, NXT Women's Champion, NXT UK Women's Championship. Kaylee Ray retained. It's not surprising to me. Mako has primarily been hired by the WWE to be a coach. And so that's what she's going to be doing for the most part. I mean, she's been training girls in pro wrestling. Since he was a teenager, she's a 25-year pro wrestling veteran now. She's 40 years old. She can still go like anybody else. I'm going to try and get the matchup uh, on my blog a little later. I don't know if the video will be posted. That's the only thing. But uh, uh, Mako, uh, it was a good match. Started out slow, picked up at the, in the stretch. I thought they did it a little too soon, perhaps. Maybe do a little little bit more of a buildup for it, but you know, it's not my call anyway. Okay, so those, those, those two things happened over the last couple of days. So now, Schwan, let's get on with uh, Saturday's results. All right? So first of all, I just want to mention that the uh, match between uh, Angela Hill and Ashley Yoder was postponed because one of Ashley's corner guys tested positive for COVID-19. So they've rescheduled that. So let's go on to the two matches that we did have. The first one, we have uh, Montana De La Rosa versus Mera Bueno Silva was a unit, was a uh, majority draw because uh, Mera was deducted a point in the first round for fence grabbing while she was being taken down. Okay. And other than that, that's the reason it was a draw. She won the fight. I thought maybe she should have won it anyway. Uh, 
Montana showed me nothing, Swan. Okay? She showed me nothing. And I just don't think she should be in the UFC. Mayra uh, is a lot is a, is just a better fighter than her. She has some flaws that we can talk about. Uh, but Mayra tra- trains at uh, Shootbox in Sao Paulo with Diego Lima. And uh, you know what? She's very good at that Shootbox style, which is what we're talking about with the uh, Muay Thai clinch and the knees and the elbows and that kind of stuff. And she has some things she needs to work on, like the takedown defense. But she looks to have some potential. Yeah. Um, my big issue with uh, De La Rosa is kind of the same issue I said earlier She had that I had with Robertson. She doesn't have an established enough striking game to set up her takedowns. And even though she's athletic, she's even, even though she's athletic, if you're telegraphing takedowns or they just know you're going to consistently go for them, it's really really hard to get them unless you're a top unless you're a top tier athlete like an elite elite athlete and she's not she's not that she's not like a Sarah Big Man type athlete or even a Jessica Andrade type athlete. Um, she just couldn't put enough together on the feet. She might land one or two shots on the feet, but after that, you you know the shots coming, you know the clinch is coming. So all um, Silva had to do was basically let her walk into shots. And yes, she got clinches and she got up against the fence, but for the most part, she was just getting need and punch, short punch, uppercut elbow to the head while she was trying while she was hanging off for takedowns because she didn't have the skill set to separate and reestablish herself striking and, and then set up another takedown she's just very predictable and unfortunately she's not very tough and she's not really much of a power puncher at all so the the i i i the point deduction i was okay with but the fact of the matter is even with that like you said i, I think silva actually won the fight she did the most damage on the ground she was never really dominated and to be quite honest, De La Rosa wasn't able to get it to the ground very often. Not cleanly, not for an extended period of time. Okay, so the, the key round here is round two, okay? Because in the first round, all three judges scored at 9-9 with the point deduction. In round three, two of the judges scored at 10-9 for uh, Mayra, and the third judge scored at 10-8, Okay. So why did all three judges score round two for Montana? Yes, she got the occasional takedown, but she didn't do anything with it. And, yeah, and my, was- my feeling is if you're going to get takedowns, you have to advance your position after the takedown to get any credit for it. And it almost seems, uh, uh, Sean, like it was an overreaction to what happened last week with the fight where they really the judges really screwed up and the, and a couple of the judges I guess they were talked to by Bob Bennett and they were told look takedowns are important groundwork is important and so they gave Montana way too much credit for for takedowns yeah i think it's cuz the the narrative was out there that she has a clear advantage and i think part of it is also i think the judges read into it because uh, Silva grabbed the fence in the first first round so it's like that take down take down got more value than it was supposed to because of the perceived threat of it but the fact of the matter is even when she had her on the ground she didn't do as much damage as silva did on the feet so silva wanted to stay on the feet delarosa wanted to stay on the ground when delarosa got the fight to where she wanted to she didn't do as much damage as silva did on the feet and that was just from round one all the way to round three um like you said i think they just overstated it 
Um, I don't think it was a bad performance by either fighter. Silva, like you said, she's she she needs some polish. Um, I think when she defends takedown, she needs to learn how to use her footwork so she can separate herself instead of just being yeah. stuck going for the strikes because that that's what ended up leading her to being taken down by the fence. If she'd have been striking and looking to separate and let angle off the cage, she would have been fine. But she was just settling in, elbowing and kneeing, and eventually that's going to get you taken down right above the cage. So she's got some yeah. minor adjustments. Uh, De La Rosa, I'm not sure what you do with her. She's just not very durable, and she's just not a good enough striker right now to beat anybody of quality. She, like she, she's she not a you. She she doesn't belong in the UFC. Well, I mean, she's she's going to get chance after chance because the division's kind of thin. But you're right. She yeah. just she lacks certain durability. She lacks the striking to really make her grappling impactful. Yeah, I may need some work on her takedown defense, which I'm sure Lima is aware of that. And uh, she'll, he'll, con- he'll continue to, to help her with that. One of the complaints I heard about her, oh, she's too wild. Look, that is the shoot box style. Okay? Chris Cyborg has been very successful with the shoot box style. Right? So it's the same mm-hmm. thing with Mayra. This, this is the style she fights, and she's pretty good at it. And by the way, so is her girlfriend who's going to be fighting in a couple of weeks, I think. Okay, so I, um, I think there's something to that wildness, but I mean, if she's if she's going to fall into clinches, then it works to her favor because it re- really seems like she wants to get to the clinch, to get the knees and the elbow. Throwing wild helps you get that because if a person ducks into you, you're going to get that clinch, and if that person starts swinging with you, you can step into clinches. So the wildness kind of works for her, but against better strikers, she'll need to clean it up because they'll just punch straight down the middle and they'll they're going to punish her. But it, there's a there's a method to her madness. Yeah, I think she's got potential. There's some upside to her. So, uh, you know, uh, let's forget that it was a. And by the way, uh, Mayra complained about the penalty. The the the, the, the she said, "Oh well, well, uh, McKenzie uh, Montana hit me in the back of the head in round two, and she didn't have a point taken off." Well, they don't usually issue uh, take points off for that. They just issue warnings. I will say gra- I, I've seen I've seen guys grab the fence before and not be called like give no, but but she was being taken down at the time, uh, and I true. don't and I I don't think to 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 you know defend the ref Jaron Valal, I don't think he had a whole lot of choice. Okay, yeah, that's true. Th- this is one of those times where the point deducted was appropriate because she was being taken down at the time. She's complaining about it, but I think it was justified. Yeah, yeah, that is right. Okay, let's go on to the other fight, which had um, this. This is a bantam. I'm going to talk about this bantamweight part in a second, but Alexis Davis beat Sabina Mazo by unanimous decision. And I first wanted to mention that Alexis uh, has made a change. First of all, one thing I noticed is that she mentioned she had shoulder surgery last week. Okay, but also she's in a new camp. She now trains at uh, Combat Sports Academy in Dublin, California, which is uh, Kieran Fitzgibbon. And her primary coach there is former UFC uh, flyweight uh, Darren Uyunoyama. Okay, so that's who's who's training her these days. Um so we talked about this fight last week. I thought it was at flyweight because, uh, you know, Sabina is a flyweight and Alexis has fought at flyweight. Apparently, Alexis requested 
that the fight be at bantamweight. Okay, and for some reason, Sabina's coach, uh, Rafael Cordero, over at uh, Kings MMA in Huntington Beach, accepted the fight anyway. And I don't think he should have accepted the fight. I think, you know, I mean, she's not a bantamweight, and that's why Alexis won the fight. She had a big size advantage. Yeah, I, I want to say part of it was a size advantage. When I saw it, I was like, dude, she, she looks huge. I was like, she looks so much bigger than Mazo. Uh, she is. Uh, yeah, but the biggest the biggest issue I saw was it's similar to the Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier fight. Early in the fight, Sabina was boxing and kicking a little bit. Like when Alexis would kick her, she would kick right back, and Alexis couldn't find her rhythm and couldn't build momentum. After like the first 30, 45 seconds, Sabina result resorted to pure boxing, and even though she was landing clean shots and her hand speed and her power was noticeable. Alexis Davis was throwing punches with combination. She was throwing kicks to the leg and to the body and to the calf. So what's happening is she's attacking multiple levels that Sabina has to defend. Sabina is really only attacking one level. And even though she's a lot better than Alexis Davis at that level, her effectiveness is limited because she's having to, to take leg kicks, defend leg kicks, defend body kicks, and defend punches. It's making It allows Alexis to find her rhythm and also to set up for those clinches, to get those takedowns because – She's throwing four or five things at, at Mazo that she has to react to, and all Davis has to react to is maybe one, possibly two. And I, I think that's also what helped her take the lead. I mean, the size is obviously a big thing at Bantamweight. If I would have known it being a Bantamweight, I would have said Mazo had no chance to win but just because the grappling and wrestling exchange just would have been against her favor. I mean, there's no way I think she it could... was, I, I think it was the mistake for them to accept that fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not surprised they did, but it was a mistake because at the lower weight class, I think Mazo's power would have been a determining factor in it. But at Bantamweight, where Alexis Davis is fully hydrated and she's not having to suck out the nutrients in her energy, she can take shots better. When she gets in clinches, she can manhandle, and she's a, she's a far superior grappler. And as you notice, her work rate was higher than it's been in, in her last two fights too. But if, if I'm looking from a technical level, the fact that she started throwing head, body, leg attacks using punches, knees, and kicks is really what set the table for her to beat Mazo. She just would have boxed with her. Sabina would have beat her. But she didn't. She threw, attacked multiple levels and threw in combination, and that's offset things enough for her to bring her wrestling and her clinching into, into a factor and make it a determining factor in the fight. Did the switch in, did, did, did the switch to CSA, because let's face it, that's becoming a very much a top – uh, a top camp uh, with Fitzgibbon, and now we've got uh, Yonayama. This is becoming a top camp. Did the switch to CSA make that big of a difference? I, I think the weight class more, I mean, the weight's a big thing. I mean, when it's just such a huge factor. There's weight classes for a reason. I know people say it's just a fight, but there's weight classes for a reason. And, and part of it is, but I didn't see Davis doing things a whole lot different than she usually does. She's always been kind of a kick punch kind of person. Um, I think really what it came down was Sabina Sabina j- just didn't execute on this. I mean, she she boxed in an MMA fight, and though she's quick and she hits hard, she's not that kind of hitter. And defensively, she's a little iffy, too. We saw Justin Keish kind of touching her up before she turned the fight around. But Alexis Davis is somewhat limited as she is athletically. She's not as – she doesn't ha- have the bad IQ that Justin Keish does. She knows how to stick to a fight plan. She knows how to execute a fight plan, which Justin Keish has no idea how to. 
So um, right. I think a lot of the mistake was on Sabina. She took the weight. The weight was a bad mistake. And then just choosing a box was a really bad mistake, in my opinion. All right. All right. Let's go on to this Saturday. Uh, UFC, what is it, 259? And, yeah. of course, the big fight here is Amanda Nunez defending the featherweight championship against uh, Megan Anderson. And uh, I don't see this going any other way than Amanda winning this fight. Look, here's the here's the pattern with Amanda. One of two things will happen. Either um, she finishes in the first round or she gets tired, and that's fine. Now, did you notice that hype video on Saturday with um, – what was it? Bisping was yelling. She has no flaws or some nonsense like that. Well, yeah. Amanda Nunez has a big. Fl- Amanda Nunez has a big flaw. Okay, mm-hmm. and that big flaw is her endurance. It's always been her big flaw. The problem is there isn't anybody out there in either of these divisions that can take advantage of that flaw. Okay. Yeah. Conceivably, they could, but I will tell you this. The same thing will happen with Megan Anderson that has happened with every opponent since Kat Zingano in 2014. They're going to run out of talent long before Amanda Nunez runs out of gas. Yeah, uh, the biggest biggest issue I see in all this, and, and, and... On paper, this fight should go the way you're saying it should. Amanda Nunes should be too much for her. She's a better athlete. Uh, I don't know that she's an overall better striker, but at least it, when she's sharp and she's fully gassed up, she, she throws more variety. She she's more athletic. She hits harder. She has she has a better all round skill set. She's more proven at the world class level. The the thing that makes me have some concerns is at bantamweight. Like you said, her gas has always been a problem. People say it's gotten better, but that's only because she's been knocking people out quick. When she's been forced to go rounds in the past, and recently she's gotten tired against Zingano. She lost that fight, gas, and got beat the hell up. When she fought Valentina the first time, she was dead tired. She was on her hands and knees trying to cover up as Valentina is putting the wood to her, and Valentina wasn't a legit bantamweight. And against Duran Durandamy, she tried to finish her early in that first round. Second round, she had nothing, and Durandamy was taking her to the woodshed and just beating the hell out of her. And even at some point got close to finishing her submissions. I know people are going to say she wasn't close. In my opinion, she was close to finishing with those submissions. Um, and so now the only issue you have is being able to, if you can nav- if you can make her work and navigate through that first round and a quarter, Nunes will t- tire. And if you start throwing at her, she's defensively, she's not great, especially when she's not fresh. Her defense is her power and explosiveness. When she's tired, she doesn't have that. She's not hard to hit. She's not hard to put shots together. And she'll back up in a straight line and she'll start getting desperate and looking for takedowns. It's happened in multiple fights. The question is, can you navigate that long enough? And I talked to people in Nunes' camp. I told them the ways I think Anderson can win it. That front kick, counter knees, lead knees, the jab, and that right cross, all of those are long weapons. If you can maintain your distance from Nunes and just throw out something without committing too much, Nunes is a counterfighter. She depends on you to come to her to create the opening, she's not really good at great at gauging distance. So if you can just keep her off you and have her swinging and missing and fighting for takedowns and fighting in scrambles, she'll get tired and, and Anderson will have a chance to finish. But the gap in skills and the gap in, in opponents is so wide, it's hard for some people to process that happening. 
but there is a path well, for success. For they, the only thing that they look at is they look at the size difference. And the, the problem I have with that is that, look, Holly Holm showed the way to beat Megan Anderson. Just take her down, for God's sakes, because she can't do anything down there. You I know, that, even Holly Holm knew that. I think that's true. But the thing about it is um, Amanda Nunes is never just going to go for the takedown. Even against Jermaine Durandamy, even against the striker, she wants to try her hand first. She wants to try the strike first. She'll try and put on an explosive show, even against somebody. I mean, she could have taken down Felicia Spencer, and, and I think she could have submitted her halfway through the fight, but she just kept beating the hell out of her. Against Drain Durandamy, she was trying to, to flash her skills on the feet, and she's going to give Megan Anderson an opportunity because she's going to try and knock her out again. I don't think she's coming out looking straight for the takedown. She's going to kind of kickbox with her. And in that time, Anderson can have success. I'm not saying she will, but she can. Nah. Plus, Anderson's Anderson's a really she doesn't, big look. She look. She doesn't have the talent. She I'm just not, doesn't. I'm not saying she, she just, doesn't. And you know no. what? Here's the funny thing about it. When she was at home in Australia, she was in Victor. She was worse. So she's actually improved actually a lot since she's moved to Kansas City with uh, James Kraus. At Glory MMA, she's improved. She was worse before. Yeah, and I, it just shows that the, the uh, a lot of the training in Australia just isn't good enough. You know, some I, is. You got a place like City Kickboxing do a very good job, but they're the exception. It's not the rule. I think I think you're right, but n- nobody knows how her power really, really carries at 45. She's. I mean, she hit. I'm not saying she beat. She didn't beat Cyborg, but Cyborg ran face first into a shot. Everybody knows if you run face first, that's a bigger shot against Felicia Spencer. When Cyborg fought her, people said, "Well, Cyborg's power is made up." Okay, Cyborg couldn't get her out of there in three rounds. Uh, it took it took Nunes an extra round to do it. Nunes wasn't just blowing through Felicia Spencer, and Felicia Spencer isn't any sort of elite type athlete, or to me, has a world class chin. She, she really doesn't. So I don't know that at 45. Amanda Nunes does the same damage with her shots if you're not running into them. So it's per- to me, it's per- perfectly reasonable. She might land some shots on Anderson. Anderson might be able to handle the power a little bit, at least as far as I have my If she can make her work, as you stated, Nunes will get tired. If she gets through that first round and it's an action-packed first round, Nunes is going to get tired. And if, if she gets tired for the next round, it's a 50-50 fight. We both know that. If Nunes gets tired, she, when she gets tired, she gets dead tired. So she's dead tired see, in the second See, round. this is where this is where I did this is where I disagree with you. I do not think Megan Anderson is good enough. Period. She may not be, but I'm just saying from a strategical point of view, looking at the fight from a technical, strategical point of view, there are avenues for her to win. There's things she can do. There are avenues. Look at there are avenues. But she's not good enough to do it. She might it's not. the same thing. Look at Nada. It's the same thing as Jermaine Durandamy. Same thing. Jermaine yeah, but- Durandamy, as great a kickboxer as she is, as an MMA fighter, she's not good enough. I understand, what you're, I understand what you're saying, but everybody said that Nunez had gotten better since the first fight. They thought she was going to beat her in one round. I never said that. I'm not saying you did. I'm not saying you did, but I'm saying... I never said that. I know all about what her... Listen, I know what her flaws are. What I am saying to you is this. 
the opposition, the opponents that she's facing, they're not good enough. I understand that. But my job is to explain how she can win and why she could possibly win. I'm not saying she does. Yeah. I'm, everybody's saying it there's ain't no happening. Everybody says there's no avenue, but if this fight goes past one round... No, two, no, no. See, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's what you're I'm saying. I'm saying there is an avenue, but she's not good enough to take advantage of it. All I'm saying is if this fight goes one round, two round, three round, everybody will be in shock. They'll be like, how's this fight going still, still going? No. And if it goes see, more than one that, round... That not, see, that's not going to shock me. If it gets out of the first round, it's going five. I already know that. All I'm saying is if it goes five and we're and Amanda comes in the second round or third round and she is dead tired, when she is dead tired, she's not the same fighter. She is bad when she's tired. She is well, just bad. I don't think I don't did. think I saw her taking just flyweight. I saw her taking him by flyweight. I saw her beat up by one of the worst fighters I've ever seen in Kat Zingano. And I've seen her extended by a person who couldn't even grapple. She couldn't even finish a girl who couldn't grapple because she was so tired. When she gets tired, yeah. she's bad. But still, that fighter did not take advantage of it. Okay, oh, and that's what's, and that's what will happen here. This fighter, they got to find somebody who's good enough, and they don't have anybody. I'll just say Kayla Harrison. Well, but she's, she's not, not either. Enough. Well, she she's can. not good enough either. She's not good enough either. I, so I, just, really, I just expect I expect Megan Anderson to be better than people thought she was. I think people think she's going to get crushed. I think if she plays it right, she can be very competitive in this fight and have a, uh, have a no. chance to win. She's not that good. Well, she's, she's not that chance. good. She's got- and the pro- don't you think part of the problem is her her level of uh, her level of opposition to this point is not even as good as her. She beat friggin' Norma Dumont in her last fight. Norma Dumont should be should be anywhere near the UFC. Oh no, I, I I agree I agree completely. Her 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 opposition has has been suspected best. It has been suspected best. All I'm saying is every fight is an individual thing, and I see avenues for her to extend the fight and possibly win it. Yeah. But I think she has the talent. I, that's, that's I see. I I, she's proven enough. I'll tell you the question. difference. I'll, the difference is, yes, I see her extending the fight. I don't see her being talented enough to win it. Oh, that's fair enough. All right. Let's uh, um, uh, go on to the other fight that we have, women's fight on this show. It's going to be at um, Strawweight. It is uh, Lavinia Souza versus Amanda Limos. Okay. So Lavinia Souza is a former Invicted champ. She uh, trains, she's from uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. She trains with a guy, I guess it's not his real name, but he's a former fighter. His name is Vinicius Maximus. Okay, that's the guy's name. What do you want from me? Uh, I've not been overly impressed with her in the UFC. Um, uh, Amanda uh, Limos is from Para, Brazil. Uh, she trains with a former UFC fighter named Yuri Alcantara and his brother. They have a gym down there. And um, she's looked really good in her last couple of fights. And now she was on a drug suspension at one point. But she's looked pretty good since she's come back from that drug suspension. And so I see her winning this fight. I don't see – Lavinia has not been impressive in my opinion. 
Yeah, she she seems to struggle with people who have because her biggest thing is she's fairly physical, she's fairly well conditioned, she's aggressive. But Lemos is a it's coming. I think she fought at bantamweight. She could she actually was hurting bantamweights with her power. Now that a smaller weight class. Yeah, what 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 happened is what happened is she took that on short notice. Yeah, but I mean, uh, again, she showed that against a very sturdy Leslie Smith that her shots carry a lot of power. She's explosive. She's very strong. She hits hard. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think her opponent. Can, can, can I just? Can, can I just interrupt? It was after that that she went on the drug suspension. Okay. Well, I mean, outside that, I I haven't seen her have have a big drop off in her performance. She still looks fairly explosive. She still looks pretty strong against this opponent. Even if she has taken a step back physically, she's still world's better an athlete. I mean, that, this woman struggled with Ashley Yoder to get a decision. I know it was a unanimous decision, but it's well, still fairly competitive. I, I mean, think Lemos is too big and it, too athletic. In her last fight, Amanda beat Mizuki, okay? Yeah. Who's a lot better than anybody that Lavinia Souza has beat. Yeah, I, I just don't – I don't think she's got the skill set. She's not defensively sound. Her striking is, at best, uh, meat and potatoes, and she doesn't have any attributes to uh, navigate a big, strong, explosive opponent. So I fully expect her to, to lose in a fairly dominant fashion, fairly, fairly yeah. decisive fashion. Okay. All right. So got a couple other things I want to talk about. And first of all, it has been officially announced – that uh, Zhang Veili will defend the uh, Strawweight Championship against Rose Namahunas. And that's going to be on UFC, I think it's 262? I'm not sure it's 262. Anyways, the point is, we're going to have two women's title fights on that show. Who's the other one? Um, it's Valentina, right? Yeah, there you go. There Valentina go. against... Valentina. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. The Valentina against uh, Jessica Andrade. So we're going to have two women's fights on that show. Now, I just wanted to mention, you gave me credit for that. And uh, it was uh, Rafael, Ma- Rafael Marino of uh, Combat who first reported that. Okay. They also announced that uh, um, um, Carlos Spars is going to face uh, Yan Chonan, but that's going to be in May. Okay, so that fight is going to happen as well. Okay, so we're going to get to see that. So it's going to be two women's title fights on that show. What do you think of that, Sean? Uh, I mean, it'll be good. It seems like the women have been getting a little bit more attention with the COVID thing and getting some opportunities to really, I mean, not saying they've all stole the show, but getting opportunities to steal the show more so than I've noticed in previous uh, recent recent uh, fight cards. Uh, it's two good fights. I mean, it's two very high-profile fights with people who at least have enough of a fan base to uh, carry a card. Um, I'm hoping the fights live up, live up to the hype that will be behind them. But it's two, it's, it's all, all two, two title matches and if four legitimately elite fighters. I mean, that's, that's something you rarely get on any, on any co-main event, main Kona main event. I mean, really legitimate elite guys. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, also this weekend, there's going to be a jewel show at Shinjuku Face in Tokyo. And on Tuesday's podcast, I'm going to be discussing that show with my buddy Charlie Jewett, who lives in Japan, probably be at that show. And we're also going to talk about the upcoming one championship tournament. 
uh, that's co that's coming up in uh, a couple of months, I think. So we're going to talk about that as well, and talk about one championship in general, who I think are a bunch of weasels, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about why. Okay, and one other thing that I wanted to mention is uh, with Texas opening up, and you live down there, Dana White is talking about doing a show uh, possibly in uh, Houston. Uh, he says Dallas has already turned him down, but he's looking to do a, Houston, do a show in Houston in the near future. So what do you think of that? Um, I mean, I don't know that it's the greatest idea, but, I mean, if Texas is going to allow it, then Dana White's going to try and do, do everything he can to maximize his earnings. And if they can get full-on full live uh, events, that's what he's going to do. I mean, Dana's in it for the business. He's not – necessarily concerned with the fighters or anybody else. He's, he's just trying to make, make his bottom line. And so it doesn't shock me at all. Can I just, I only have one reaction is, and that's nothing to do with Dana White. Your governor's a moron. Yeah. People aren't too, too fond of him right now. I mean, we've, we've got a lot what of, what is it with these guys? Uh, they just, they what have is it own, with these guys. They have their own agendas. That's all it comes down to. They have an agenda and people be damned. You know, I don't yeah, know the like I, but they have an agenda and, we, and they're they're good. They're, they're going to fight for their agenda at the end of the day. That's what. It's yeah. Doing. You know, the only problem with that is when your agenda leaves blood on your hands, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Well, they, they find a way to justify it. And, and people who who don't have the means have to pretty much tolerate it. I mean, literally nothing you can do about it except not go to events. Yeah. Well, anyway. We don't have that problem in Canada. Uh, <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to talk about? No, sir. See that we covered it all. Okay. So that's about it. Again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also <clears throat> my other podcast, uh, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for my blog, blog or either my podcast you can leave the anchors voicemail and if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast you can do so at uh, google podcast apple podcast and spotify enjoy the fights we'll talk to you later